Uh, my name is David, and uh, I serve here at Trinity as lead pastor. It's so good to see you at our 9 a.m. service. Um, many of you are aware and have been praying for my family, and specifically for my uh, youngest daughter, Madeline, six years old, who had uh, significant surgery earlier this week. She's doing great. Here's a picture of her uh, hanging out in the hospital with her immobilizers on to help her legs be nice and straight. And uh, she's come a long way since her surgery on Tuesday. And uh, we are very grateful for the prayers, the support, the outpouring of love. And it's always a reminder when we go through seasons like this of what, uh, how good it is to be connected with the people of God and the way that people respond. And so we're thankful for that. Thank you for your continued prayers. This morning, we are in the second week of our series, I Am. And uh, I was thinking about the, the I Am statement that we're going to be focusing on this morning and out of all of the seven I am statements, I think this is probably one of the more overlooked ones. Maybe not the most inspirational one. When Jesus says, I am the door, it's, like not, the, it's not like this exciting title. Like In other places he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine, and you think of the life flowing through him. I am the bread, and you think of the way he sustains us. And then he says, I am the door. <laughs> We're like, what? That's not that exciting. I actually think this is one of the most insightful sayings that Jesus offers us. And what we're going to learn this morning from this passage in John chapter 10 is when Jesus said, I am the door, he revealed something very important about our world, something very important about ourselves, and something very important about himself, our world, ourselves, and himself. So let's look at the text together, John chapter 10, reading verses 7 through 10. It says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, and whenever Jesus says truly, truly, it's like he's saying, pay attention, lean in, don't miss this. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. And then this famous verse, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus as a door means three very important things, one for our world, one for ourselves, and one to help us understand who he is. And the first point this morning is that when Jesus says, I am the door, it helps us understand our world because it means this, that there is an outside and there's an inside. There's an outside and there's an inside. And on one hand, this is such an obvious statement, isn't it? As soon as you see a door, you know there's the outside and there's the inside. But it's also obvious because, if we're honest, all of our lives we have this sense of either being on the outside or being on the inside. Feeling like we're missing out on things, or feeling like we're right in where we want to be. And we have this insatiable longing, yearning, and desire to get inside when we feel like we're on the outside. The Germans, the Germans have this word, and even though I'm a quarter German, I don't really know how to pronounce it. It's Zagzunt, or Zazukt, or something like that. Uh, I know there's a Z at the beginning of it. And it's an interesting word because this word simply means a, a wistful desire, a, a, a longing, a yearning. In other words, this German word for which there is actually no perfect English, English translation means the desire, the overwhelming desire for something that you can't quite get. 
that you want something, you know that there's something out there, but you can't figure out how to get it. And the Germans, who are not really known for uh, maybe romantic, wistful thinking, maybe a little more pragmatic, but they have this, this word. And I was thinking about this word, and it's like, this is all of us when we're on the outside of things. This, we live with this yearning, this wistful longing, this sense of like there's something more. And Alan Hirsch, uh, an author, said this about Zizunt. He said, this universal long, longing, this yearning, this craving, this never-ending searching, it is instinctive in every single person. It's like the humming of unseen harps within us. We can't turn it off. We can't shut it off. We can't get away from it. This humming cannot be disregarded, neglected, or suppressed because it can never be eliminated. And so we go through life with this sense that because there's a door, some people are on the outside and some people are on the inside, and we're determined to get on the inside. And so what we do is we identify certain things as the door. We name these things the door. So for some people... Growing up, the door is a specific relationship. They feel like they're on the outside of a specific relationship, whether it's having good friends, whether it's having a significant other. And to them, to get on the inside, they got to get through the door of finding that person. And until they find that person, they feel like they're on the outside. For some people, it's academic achievement. And the door is getting a certain grade, getting a certain degree, finishing at the top of your class. And that's the door that they're trying to get through to get to the inside. For other people, it's an accomplishment, it's an achievement, it's a feeling, it's pleasure. For some people, it's, it's religious activity, and the, re, the way that they feel like they're on the inside is because they're, they're more religious, religiously busy than other people. When the other people aren't here in church this morning, you are. And for some people, going to church is about getting on the inside. They're, they've named the door, and the door is their own religious behavior and activity. Sometimes for people, it's spiritual experiences, and and they get kind of bored with the scriptures. And so now they got to create these feelings and chase after these experiences. And, and, and that's the door. That's what they're trying to get through, this mystical thing. Whatever it is, it could be a promotion, a title, a dollar amount in your bank account, an accomplishment. It's so obvious that all of us are trying to get inside. There's an outside, there's an inside. And we like to define the door. But when Jesus says, I am the door, it shifts from being obvious to being offensive. Because what Jesus is saying, you don't get to define what the door is. You're trying to get inside, and you've tried lots of doors to get in. But I am the door. I'm the way in. And this is when it moves from being agreed upon to being a source of great contention. Because when Jesus says, I am the door, he's saying, I'm the only way in. And here's what he's saying. The zazunt, all of that wistful longing and yearning, is all satisfied in me. You won't find it in another person. You won't find it in an accomplishment, achievement, a career. Uh, you won't find it in a sense of superiority and getting degrees and your intellect and in your education. And you won't find it there. Jesus is saying, I am the door. I'm the way in. All of your wistful longing, all of your unsatisfied desires, I'm the only way in. And when Jesus says that, here's what he's saying, and here's why it's offensive. He's saying that everything else you turn to is a fraud. A fake, and nobody wants to be told that what they've put their hopes in isn't real and can't satisfy. But it's also offensive because ultimately, here's what Jesus is saying the only thing that matters, or the thing that matters most, is what do you do with me? What are you going to do with me? You can open every other door in your life, but until you come to me as the door to get in, listen, you're always on the outside. 
You're always on the outside. And your heart will always know it. You could be the second wealthiest person in the world, but it won't satisfy you because there's someone else. You can think you found the right person to settle down with, but eventually you, you realize they're not a perfect person. Their breath stinks in the morning. <laughs> they don't always agree with you. They don't want to watch what you want to watch, right? And eventually you realize, well, what? I thought this would make me happy forever. And you realize that the things that we're looking for through other doors really just are there to point us to the true door, Jesus. What you do with Jesus is the most important thing about you because there's no other way in. And that's what Jesus teaches us here about our world. But secondly, he teaches us something about ourselves, and it's this. If Jesus is the door, then this is what it means. We have been saved from something, but we've also been saved for something. We've been saved from something, but we've also been saved for something. When we talk about being saved from something, that God has saved us, I mean, when, he talks, when he uses this metaphor that he is the door and that the sheep, he's the door of the sheep, when the sheep get into the pen, they've been saved from things, right? All the dangers out there. Do you know that sheep are not really great at protecting themselves? Sheep are not the best at defending themselves in nature. Sheep is actually a bit of an argument maybe against Darwinism because it's like sheep should never have made it this far. They never should have lasted this far, and yet still here they are. And so the sheep can't fight for itself. So when the sheep get into the pen, they are safe and they are secure, and they have been protected from something, saved from something, and this is the protection of God. And if we're inside the door, so to speak, if we're in Christ, we have the protection of God upon our lives. And what Jesus wants to protect us from is two things, the danger around us, but also the danger within us. There's danger within us. We're a little bit like sheep, aren't we? We wander. We're not great at looking out for ourselves. We're not great at providing for ourselves. And and we don't even see that about ourselves. And Jesus wants to bring us in so we'll be safe from the dangers outside and the dangers within He talks in this passage about the voices of other shepherds. And at this time in history, uh, there really were two different types of sheep pen. And when the shepherds would come in from the fields and back into the town, there was a large communal sheep pen where every shepherd would bring his sheep. They'd put all their sheep into this large communal, and they wouldn't mark them, and they wouldn't tag them. They'd just push them in there, which seems like a disaster. Those of you that are organized and detail-oriented, you're going crazy just thinking about that. How did they keep things clear? The shepherd would show up and he would begin to talk. And he, he would call the sheep by name. And the sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. And that's how the sheep would then follow the right shepherd out when it was their time to go. Now, one of the things that Jesus protects us from is the voices of other false shepherds. There are other voices out there that want to tell you lies about who you are, about whose you are about what's true, about what's not true, about what matters, about what doesn't matter. The question is, do you know the voice of the good shepherd? Do you know the voice of Jesus? Do you know his word well enough to be able to discern truth from lie? And one of the ways that he protects us is he wants to protect us from those voices. But the best way to protect yourself from the other voices is to fill your ears with his voice so you can hear his voice. He wants to protect us from dangers. He protects us from the thief that steals, kills, and destroys. Now, John 10.10, often when you hear that verse, people make that about Satan and God, don't they? Or Satan and Jesus. Satan is the thief who's come to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. And while that's that's true, that's not what Jesus is actually saying here. you, you, You heard the whole passage, right? 
He's already told us who the thieves are. Other voices. People who preach false gospels. People who bring counterfeit truths. So there are other voices in this world that don't, don't, they don't just want to mislead you, misdirect you, and lie to you. They want to steal from you. They want to kill. They want to destroy. What do they steal? They steal our sense of identity, our sense of self. They kill our hopes, our dreams. They destroy the destiny that God has for us. And when we get in Christ, inside the door, we're safe from those things. He doesn't just save us from something, but he saves us to something. And here we go from talking about the protection of God to the provision of God. How many of you in your life have sensed at some point the provision of God? That God has blessed you and sustained you and carried you, whether it's financially, whether it's physically, whether it's relationally, that God is so faithful. And in this passage that we read, he talked about Jesus, he talked about himself being the door and that the sheep could go in and go out. And that, that's an interesting phrase, that they would go in and they would go out. And what the commentators think Jesus is doing here is he is echoing a passage from Deuteronomy 28.6 where God is giving a covenant to his people and he says, you will be blessed when you come in and when you go out. It's actually on a sign in the back of our sanctuary. And so when Jesus said, when you get in me, you can come in and you can go out, he's echoing this covenantal blessing of the blessings of God are upon your life when you're in me. But then he also says, when you come in, you'll find pastures. And pastures, for us, speak of a place of rest, a place of strength, a place of rejuvenation. And Jesus is saying, I didn't just save you from all those dangers out there, those wolves and those other voices. I saved you for something. I saved you to bless you. I saved you to strengthen you. I saved you to bring your heart rest and peace, the rest and peace that you've looked at every other door for. It's found in me. We've been saved from something, and we've been saved for something. And then he says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and life more abundant. Other translations say life to the fullest. How do we define the abundant life? How do we define? Listen, the world has a definition of the full life, the fullest life. But the kingdom of God's fullest life is a life that's focused on the kingdom of God, growing in his truth, growing in his grace, focused on what matters most. So what do we learn about ourselves? We've been saved from something and we've been saved for something. And then lastly, this morning, what do we learn about Jesus? If Jesus is the door, it means this, that we need a way in and we have a way in. That's good news this morning. <laughs> we need a way in, but because of Jesus, we have a way in. But everyone, we've already talked about this, but everyone is looking for a way in, a way into the good life. Everyone needs saving Everyone needs securing. Everybody has the sense of that. But the abundant life, listen, the abundant life, the full life, it's not found through other doors. And the secure life is not found behind other doors. And although we know we need a way in, we cannot make a way in for ourselves. That's the heart of the gospel. We are separated from God. You heard Jordan say it this morning. Chi Alpha is all about seeing college students on campuses all over New York reconciled to God. That word reconciled means that there was a separation, that there was enmity, that there was a division, that there was a gap, that there was a problem. And we could not fill the gap with our own goodness, with our own righteousness, with our own effort. And right at the heart of the gospel, that's what it says. You need a door. You can't be the door. You can't make the door. You can't build the door. You can't conjure up the door. You cannot create the door through your own effort. You need a door. But because of what Jesus did, you have a door. The other type of sheep pen 
that was prominent back then was when the shepherds were out in the fields and they didn't want to come all the way back into the town for the night. And they would build a, a, a little bit more of a rustic sheep pen, small walls made out of stone with one little opening in the, in the wall. And they'd get all the sheep in there at night. And what they would do is, once all the sheep were in there and they had counted all the sheep, they didn't put a door up. They didn't build a door. The shepherd would lay down across the opening. And the shepherd would literally become the door. So when Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep, every listener had an immediate image of a shepherd at night laying across this opening. And the reason that the shepherd laid there is because nothing could get in and nothing could get out without it going past him. No sheep could escape. No, no wolf could get in without him being there. And it's this beautiful picture of what the shepherd would do to protect his sheep and provide for his sheep. He would become the door. Now, what did Jesus have to do to become our door, our way in? It's the exact same thing. He had to lay himself down. He laid his life down. Jesus laid himself down so that he become our door. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to sing a song in just a minute. But I want us just to reflect on this truth and what it means for us this morning. You probably aren't thrilled about thinking of yourself as a sheep. <laughs> when you ask kids, if you could be any animal, this is a really popular question to ask elementary age kids. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? And it's always something cool, an eagle, a dog, a lion. Sometimes they say things that don't exist. A unicorn, right? What, whatever it is. But I've never heard a child go, I want to be a sheep. <laughs> and you definitely don't want to be a sheep if you've seen one. <laughs> and if you've smelt one. And if you've been around them. So not to offend you with the thought that you are a sheep, but that's exactly what Jesus is saying in this story. You're the sheep and I'm the door. And in order for Jesus to bring us in, in order for Jesus to give us a way in, he had to lay down. And that's the heart of the gospel, that Jesus Christ said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay my life down. I give it. And Jesus walked to the cross, the good shepherd, the door, and he laid his life down for us. Why? So that we could get in. So we could be inside finally, the right door, the true door, so that we could be saved from ourselves and from the dangers around us and from hell and from separation from God, that we can be saved for his purposes, for his glory, for his honor, to bless others and to strengthen others, but also so that we could experience him as the only true way in.